0: This is NAB Show Live.
1: Hi, I'm Linda Rossner, and welcome to NAB Show Live. We are here to talk about a very important topic security. It affects everybody individually large companies, medium-sized companies, small companies. And we're here with some professionals to talk about some best practices, to talk about why it happens, how we can control it. So I'm happy to introduce on my far right is Ramon Breton. He is the CTO of Third Eye. In the middle is Janice Pearson of Convergent Risks. She's VP of Global Content Protection. And right, sitting next to me is Rick Soto of Pic- Pixel Logic Media, <laughs> and he is VP of Global Security. So, first, I'd like you to each, and we can start with you, Ramon, and then work closer to you, Rick. Sure. Uh, like to start with how your, what your responsibilities are at your company, and how you're involved in this security market.
2: Sure. So, uh, I'm our CTO, so I'm in charge overall of the technology we use, and. Part of that involves the security. So when one of our clients comes to us and has uh, standards they'd like us to implement or an audit that we need to go through, I'm the one who's in charge of overseeing that.
1: Could you, I'm sorry, I'm going to back up. Can you just tell us a little bit about Third Eye?
2: Third Eye, we're a quality control company. We've been around for about 25 years. We perform master level quality control on digital files and also optical DVD QC.
1: Great. i We sorry. also
2: create IMF packages as well.
1: That's a hot topic. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything else you want to say in regards to security or shall we go on to Janice?
2: Part of uh, my role there in, it's almost like an intermediary, so when there are new procedures that come into place for security, not only do I work with our partners to make sure that we're doing what they would like us to do and going through the audits but I also filter that down to our employees and the actual QCers to make sure that they understand what the expectations are as well.
1: Fantastic, and Janice?
3: Yes, I'm Janice Pearson and I'm the Vice President of Global Content Protection for Convergent Risks. Uh, Convergent Risks is a global company. We are the leading provider of uh, trusted partner network security assessments. As well as into independently tailored assessments for content owners, and we provide production security support as well as provide. We have a large uh, uh, array of consultancy services as well. And in my role, I'm responsible for the consultancy side of the business. So we provide support. We do. We provide technical services such as penetration testing, vulnerability scanning. Uh, DRM reviews and code reviews. Uh, We also have a GDPR practice. And where I tend to get involved is working closely with our, our clients on any remediation that they need to implement for their facility or in a production environment. And so that could be anything from developing policies, developing training programs, and really developing governance within the organization and how that's supported from the digital side and on the physical security
1: and and management systems. Now I'm sure everybody knows this, but I'm gonna ask anyway, what's DRM? (laughs) Digital rights management. Thank you. So
3: we tend to do those reviews on applications. Uh, It's heavily used on screening platforms and you know, we do quite a bit of testing on the different devices and the OS to ensure that the security features are intact and can't be circumvented. Very good,
1: okay, and Rick.
0: Hi. Hey, Rick good to see you. Uh, Vice President of IT and uh, Global Security for Logic Media. Uh, we're headquartered out of Burbank. We're a global organization, uh, facilities in London, uh, in Cairo. We're a post-production providing services in um, uh, mastering digital cinema, localization, subtitling audio, and digital distribution. Uh, I focus on IT uh, security uh, and really uh, working with convergent Risk on uh, risk assessments, uh, TPN assessments, and uh, keeping our environment secure.
1: Okay, great. So, we're going to do a little lesson here, and if you could talk about the Trusted Partner Network. Um, What is it? Why is it important? Who needs to have it? Whoever wants to go first. Can you repeat the question, please? Uh, Well, I want to get information about the Trusted Partner Network. Okay. Uh, I can talk a little bit about that. Great. So the
3: Trusted Partner Network came into being uh, because the MPAA and the CDSA came together as a joint venture to form the Trusted Partner Network. And what it was designed to do is to stop all of the audits that are happening where you may have a vendor that'll go through possibly two to five audits by a content owner within a year. And it puts a heavy burden on the vendor but also because the studios can't share the results. And so it it makes it difficult for them. It also makes it difficult for the content owner because they need to make quick decisions. You know, oftentimes you know, you have to choose a vendor to work with um, and you, you don't have a lot of time to vet. So the whole purpose of the Trusted Partner Network is it's, it's a, a database where you have vendors that sign up, they fill out a questionnaire and they go through a, an assessment. And then uh, that assessment then is made available on the platform where you can see the remediation items and then make a, a, an informed decision
1: so, we'll know if a company is with a, trust, a trusted partner network. Yes. They've been through the rigmarole. Right. Uh, Ramon, is uh, Third Eye part of the trusted partner network?
2: Not yet, but we we're actually just beginning our assessment. Ah. So, previously we were in that exact situation where we were approached by separate vendors, and with our most recent audit up for renewal, I'm not going to mention who it was, but they are now a member of the TPN, and they said, you're going to be doing this through the TPN.
0: (laughs) Okay, and Rick, how about you? We are part of the trusted partner network. Uh, I've gone through two assessments, one in the UK, our London facility, as well as our um, Burbank facility as well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Been instrumental in working with the TPN themselves, uh, sitting on the technical committee with them. Um, and truly understanding how the controls have been set, uh, not only for our organization, but uh, having a platform uh, that's a core set of controls between the content owners and us as a uh, vendor and service provider. Yeah.
1: Janice, did you want to say something? Or yeah, I was just. Okay, so process. my question for you again is, uh, because you're global, is does the Trusted Partner Network is that a global, it's a global standards? So. One thing we've done as
3: an organization to address that and to be able to pass on cost savings to the vendor community is to start opening up offices globally. So we have, uh, we have an office in London. We've just opened up one in Mumbai, and then we have one in Sherman Oaks. And the goal is to open up you know, another office in, in Singapore, and we're looking at other locations where it would make
1: sense. Um, I, I want to get into tool, you know, security tool sets. Um, what what do you think are, are ones that you would recommend or that you're utilizing that are helpful for your security in your company?
2: I mean, oh, uh, go ahead. Say for us, what's important to me is information. So anything that has to do with alerting and monitoring is very helpful. Um, things like, you know, when, um, if there's an unusual amount of upload activity, because since we do quality control, We mainly receive a lot of files. We do uploads for IMF packaging and other things as well. But it's important for me to know that there's not all of a sudden, through an an unusual channel, a large data leaving our facility. So anything that will give me alerts into that, information into what's happening, those are the kind of tools that I appreciate.
3: We believe in more of a layered approach to security. So it all starts at the edge with your firewall, making sure you have a next-gen firewall uh, Having intrusion detection services on the firewall and other services to be able to at least prevent some threats from coming in But then you also have to also have that same level of security at the machine level at the storage level So you are also using various uh, anti-virus products and such and endpoint software so that way you can really lock down the workstations and, and then also having proper logging, both at the machine level and at the storage level, because without all that information and then centralizing all that logging, you're not gonna be able to really see where you might have vulnerabilities in your organization and protect yourselves from different types of threats.
1: Wow.
0: Rick? Yeah, I, I echo what Ramon and, and Janice uh, have to say. Um, you know, the tool sets that are used uh, in content protection vary from the firewall layer, um, IDS, IPS, as well as, you know, endpoint protection to truly monitor, uh, you know, the workstation and the infrastructure in your production environment. Uh, for us, is really tracking, you know, what devices uh, is somebody trying to plug in a device to a system, right? I mean, those alerts for us are key to try to understand if somebody's trying to plug in a phone or a USB stick and try to take information. And the alerting as well as somebody, you know, trying to download content, you know. Uh, which is uh, why we discuss about you know, network segregation, uh, trying to air gap your network between a production environment, a DMZ for digital distribution or transmissions, um, as well as your production environment where all your content is actually being produced.
1: You know, as uh, Ramon said to us earlier, security is not convenient. It's not. I disagree with that.
3: Okay, <laughs> all right, then I want to hear your rebuttal. It should be completely seamless, where it doesn't affect the users, where they don't even feel the security. If you've implemented it correctly, they they shouldn't feel that in the workflows. There's a lot of different technologies out there, where if you really plan it out, um, you can actually create efficiencies through security. So that's what we always encourage our clients, is let's really understand the workflow, and see how we can improve upon it while adding security in a way that's not gonna affect the end user.
1: How do you get there? Because it seems as though there are so many layers. There are. And there are so many different people involved. I mean, even with with Ramon's company, which is how many employees, 25 employees? To Rick's company, which is over 400 employees. Correct. You have to implement and you have to train and go through all of these different steps How can that not be inconvenient?
2: I think training is key. And this idea of security being inconvenient, I think when you get it down to a user level and you get them on board with understanding why it's important and why we're doing this to protect the IP of our vendors, it no longer becomes inconvenient. It becomes part of the process. But it's all about that training and education.
1: Mm I'm sorry, no, go no I was going to ask you. Yeah, tra-
0: training is, a, is mandatory. I mean, uh, acceptance is another story, uh, but it's, 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 it's key to have that training program within your organization. Okay. And as, um, as uh, you know, security rules continue to evolve uh, and, and getting the word out to your own employees and having them uh, accept those uh, controls, at times, you know, having a, 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 a robust training program is, is, is difficult, you know, and uh, utilizing tools like LMS, you know, and having uh, the TPNs providing a training program within their portal as well, which is, uh, is great. Um, I think it, it helps drive, you know, those essential topics that are needed on a day-to-day basis, you know.
1: So, are all of your employees trained in security?
0: Yes and no. So, again, you know, that training program needs to continue on a regular basis, right? And uh, to me, I think training programs, uh, especially in security, a lot of times they're very dry. Mm -hmm. So, I think they need to be set to a point where people are actually going to pay attention and, and, and acknowledge what the topics are and, you know, why it's key. I mean, phishing, for example, right? People may get an email that looks real and they click on it and it's a false email. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I don't fish, one but I'm guilty of that kind yeah. of thing,
1: yeah, <laughs> so yeah. just uh, as an individual.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, my God. And i go a step further when it comes to training in that you really have to know your audience and how they're going to respond to it and find the appropriate method to deliver that training. Uh, for production environments in particular, you're, you're dealing with, uh, you know, kind of a a workforce that's constantly in flux, it's expanding and contracting. You might have somebody that's only on, uh, you know, involved in the project for maybe a week, uh, where they or it could be two years. So, it, it's tailoring it maybe in that kind of situation of, you know, a, a, an informative video where you really know exactly what. They need to understand. So you only come up with maybe ten items that are most important, and you deliver it in a way that's going to respond to a creative, where you make it fun and entertaining, uh, where it has high production value, where it's not going to turn them off. They'll actually listen and actually enjoy it. Uh, When you're in a facility situation, you do have the ability to gather people in a room. You might have to stagger it. So especially if it's a larger organization and it's oftentimes good to do that by role so you can talk specifically about workflows. And and at the beginning of a project with a particular content owner, if you're working on a high security title, there's gonna be very specific items you wanna cover in that training. But, But oftentimes where I feel training is important is on social media, and there's not enough discussion around that. Oftentimes, when people are onboarded, they're going to read a, uh, a they're going to have to sign an NDA. They'll read all the policies, but oftentimes they don't really understand what they're reading, or they don't really read it thoroughly, and don't understand that they're responsible, you know, for their actions. And so, training should really focus a great deal on that because that tends to be where content's leaking.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, you know, uh, uh, you know people are so happy to be working or yes. excited to be working on a title that they can't wait to tell a, a friend or a family member mm-hmm. and next thing you know, there's a hashtag on Facebook or Twitter and you've now pretty much damaged the reputation of your organization and, uh, you know, it, it's, it just can't happen. I
3: have, a, I have a good example of that. You know, oftentimes it's that employee who... It's kind of a lapse in judgment where they don't realize that they're sharing information with somebody. and They don't know how that person is going to respond to that information. And so they may share information about what they've seen with a new new, uh, title that's coming out that's very sensitive. And it's kind of a way of maybe bragging a little bit. Um, And then (laughs) that person then goes out and blogs about it. And then that employee ends up losing their job. Because if you if you know how to do an investigation, you can usually figure out who's responsible. And I, I've seen so many young careers end too soon where they had so much promise, but it was a lapse in judgment or a mistake. And and, and it's a small industry. That's a
1: tragedy. It, it's That's sad, a tragedy. it really is.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, that can really, truly, you know, bring a, company out of take them out of business
1: yes and we know that uh, this has happened in the past few years with uh, a few companies uh, Ramon I think you you talk we talked about the, the third party or the, the employee the disgruntled employee uh, there's obviously the unintended security breach yeah. but there's also that you have to be careful with all of your employees because you never know how do you how do you deal with that?
2: Well, luckily we haven't had that problem. We have a lot of very long time employees, which is good. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's why you do background checks. That's why you get to know people. That's why in addition to signing the NDA, you have signs posted throughout the office where everyone's gonna see it reminding them of those policies. But it's difficult because the, the monitoring can help with that. So if someone decides I'm gonna try and release this content to the world and so they try and get around any of the endpoint protection or any of the other controls in place. That's why those emails are important. So if we get a, a notice saying, you know, this device was opened, I can immediately follow up and say, why was this device opened?
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, Rick, with 400 employees, that's, I'm daunted by what you have to go through, but it seems as though Logic has been very successful.
0: We have been, and a, lo- uh, a lot has been, you know, uh, Working with uh, my colleagues uh, internationally, as well as our other facilities, and uh, <clears throat> continuing uh, to promote, you know, what our security best practices, as well as have them promote uh, what is actually needed on a day-to-day basis to remind them of how critical, you know, security is to the organization.
1: That's great. Now, Ramon, uh, I hear that you deal a lot, right, with the unencrypted hard drive or that's something that can can happen. Can you explain what that's all about and how you deal with it?
2: Sure. So so we receive a lot of content through digital delivery methods that are encrypted, but we also receive a lot of hard drives from smaller facilities who maybe don't have access to a, a fast Internet or it's just more convenient for them because it's a workflow they're very familiar with. And so we always insist on encrypted hard drives but adding that encryption slows down the transfer time off of the hard drive. And that can be difficult when you're dealing with files that are five or six terabytes in size. So that's part of where the inconvenience of security comes in. But again, as long as everyone's on board and they understand we don't want someone, we don't want you to hand off your hard drive with unreleased material to a runner that you've never met to drop it off at our facility because we don't know what's going to happen you know, that chain of custody.
3: I've I've seen that countless times. Really? Where production will use an unencrypted hard drive to send to a vendor. Maybe that courier leaves it in the car and then it's stolen. Oh, my God. Or it's uh, delivered to the wrong recipient. So let's say you pick up an unencrypted hard drive from the vendor, and it's supposed to go to one studio but it goes to the wrong studio and then they start watching the content and they realize this isn't our content and then they have to call the vendor and get it back. That's a nightmare. That is a nightmare.
1: <laughs> that's
0: yeah, I, that's I, I, when a
3: lot of NDAs have to be assigned. And,
1: um, yeah,
0: Rick? Yeah, so the physical aspect of, uh, of hard drives and moving physical content over you know, devices, traditional devices. I think it plays a, a role in actually having a a location within your infrastructure that is um, now uh, how would you say this? There's there's a location where that drive may be infected with a virus, and there's no process. There's got to be a process where, when physical drives come in, they're actually put through a process where they're scanned for any type of virus. There's no encryption on the drive. I mean, now you've kind of put your whole infrastructure at risk, right? So uh, there needs to be a, a way to actually vet before you actually approve and uh, take that con to put it into your production environment.
1: Um, which, which brings me to a question about security in the cloud because uh, I, you know I've heard when there are security breaches at certain companies, sometimes whatever has been in the cloud was not breached, but that doesn't mean that all, all, all content in the cloud is secure. Uh, what's your opinion on on that?
3: It's only as secure as you configure it to be. And with that added security, there's cost to that. And that's oftentimes where um, companies will try and cut back on some of that cost. Maybe not, you know, be in an encrypted bucket, and um, they might not have set up their. Um, um, connections properly to their local environment, and what happens is that even in your cloud environment, that can be secure, but if your facility is not, it's a larger attack surface, so then that's where the hackers can scan your environment and find ways to to break in.
1: Now, we only have a few more minutes, so I'm just wondering if each of you has just a a little tip or or piece of advice before we close on, on best practices for security.
2: I think for me, you know, aside from some of the nuts and bolts and putting in the controls in place, you know, working on our audits, when we transition from mainly a physical QC facility to a digital facility, aside from learning about those controls, the biggest thing for me is working down to the employee level and really implementing policies and making sure everyone understands why we're doing it. And I think once everyone understands why it's important, they stop grumbling about having to log in here every 15 minutes or whatever the extra procedure may be.
1: Okay, Janice? And I think if
3: you really look at the workflow, truly understand it, and then incorporate security in a way that doesn't feel invasive, really that's, that's the best way and wherever you can, implementing the the concept of least privilege, where you're really limiting uh, based on role or what projects they're working on, because that helps to reduce your risk as well. Right, and Rick?
0: I think for me it's more, uh, you know, it's like you said, training and acceptance is key, Uh, not only for the organization, but for the entertainment community, Yeah. Uh, having the ability to to truly have these controls set uh, with the TPN, the NPA, CDSA. Uh, for, us is, is, uh, and for us, and for everybody, it's essential to have those, uh, those controls where we can actually look and say, hey, are we developing something that uh, fits between uh, these layers of our security platforms, right? Um, that, that, that's what I feel is.
1: Fantastic. Well, I can't thank you all enough. I wish we had more time. I think we could go for another 25 minutes. (laughs) But I want to thank you all, Ramon Berton, Janice Pearson, Rick Soto. It's been a pleasure.